much. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 2. We'll briefly look there in just a bit. But real quick, most, most of you know this news. Uh, my wife, at the end of 2017, was diagnosed with breast cancer, went through reconstruction surgery in the early part of 2018, and God wonderfully brought her through that. Then in May of 2021, I was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, went through chemo, radiation, major surgery, and by God's grace, came through that wonderfully, and uh, about 40 pounds lighter, and all oh, that's good news, you know. Over the last couple of weeks, I'm back to lifting some weights, which I enjoy, and I'm glad about that. But then uh, just eight, nine days ago, we found out that our sweet Molly, 14-year-old eighth grader, um, is diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so for the third time in about five years, uh, cancer has struck our family. Uh, we are so grateful for God's mercies to us, his provision to us, so quickly connected to Texas Children's Hospital, and um, they are all over it. And uh, we've had a busy week there this last week, and things are about to get much, much busier with Molly's treatment is going to start this Wednesday. And so Wednesday, her, her schedule, her cycle will be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the following Wednesday. A anyway, about 12 weeks of treatment. Hodgkin's lymphoma is very, 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 very treatable, and we are grateful to, uh, to know that. Um, but you got to treat it, and treating it is, you know, it's just a process, and it can be a very, very difficult process, uh, certainly for Sweet Molly. Um, it's going to change her life in the short run, and for our family as well. So we appreciate your prayers. Thank you so much. Obviously, pray for Molly. Pray for Macy Mayer. She's our 18-year-old uh, freshman at Texas A&M University. You're part of it now, Macy. And uh, she's been with us over Christmas, which we have loved, but she goes back this afternoon. And uh, so we're going to miss her being around. And um, she you know, feels a little funny that all of this is about to happen, and, and yet she's going to be there. So, so pray for her about that. She plans on coming back more this spring. So uh, it'll be good to see her. Pray for little Maddie. Maddie's our sixth grader at Katie Junior High. Just keep her in your prayers as this is swirling all around her as well. Um, we'll send this out, but, but Tara told me this morning, she said, if people ask exactly what to pray, um, pray for manageable side effects, okay? Minimal and manageable side effects. Pray for no infections, right? Of course, the medicines are going to do their number on, on Molly's defense system, and so we're, we're hoping she doesn't get any infections throughout this period of time, and then pray for the eradication of the lymphoma, that the treatment will work wonderfully as it is expected to do. That would be wonderful. At the end of our time this morning, I'm going to preach, we're going to sing another song together, and then our elders are going to come up and invite our family up to pray, so just so you know what's coming. Awaken West Houston 2023. Um, so many of you participated in Awaken West Houston 2022. 
in March of just last year. And you'll remember it was a time to call upon God's people, not only here at Redeemer, but all over our city to take, take the names of 17 households and for 30 days fast as God would lead you, pray by name for those 17 families, and just seek God's grace and his mercy upon those families. It was wonderful. Over 4,800 believers, we think, all across Katy participated in that. And this year, a number of churches are participating again in Awaken West Houston. And it will be a bit different this year in that we're not going to give participants a list of 17 households that they don't know to fast and pray for. We're asking participants to seek God and to think about people who are far from God in our lives and write down seven names, seven households that you will fast for as God leads you, that you will pray for for those 30 days, and that you will even seek to to love and serve and even share the gospel of Jesus Christ with during Awaken West Houston. As you leave this morning, if you, all, if you haven't already, would love for you, if you'd like to participate, to pick up one of these little books. We're calling it a resource manual. It has in the back of it a 30-day prayer guide. So yes, I'd love to pray. What do I pray? This can help you. It also provides some other things in it about fasting, about living on mission with Jesus and the like. So please pick up one of these. Secondly, pick up one of these. It's got some Awaken West Houston information on it. But then on the back, it's got a place for you to write the seven folks that you want to fast for and pray for and seek God's power for. You write them down. We'll talk about that in just a second. If you were a part of Awaken West Houston last year, you got one of these books. So I would encourage you to get this little book out again and read through it again. You'll remember it's a thin book. I like thin books. And it um, doesn't take long at all to read. But it's called Revival Starts Here, a short conversation on prayer, fasting, and revival for beginners like me. If you didn't get one of these books last year, we've got some of them out there. You just grab one of those as well. Antonio preached for, in my place, I had to pull out, and so, so thankful for him to step in and encouraged us to begin thinking about our seven. Who would the seven be that we want to fast and pray for, reach out to, serve, share the good news of the gospel with? say a few words about that that I would have shared last week. Maybe think of it like this. If God would so move, I would love to see so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so happily and joyfully plugged into the life of Redeemer Community Church. Seems impossible to me right now. I cannot imagine how it would happen. But if God would so move, I would love to see and then fill in their names. Seven people or maybe it's seven households that you believe don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Or it may be, you know what, I think they're Christians, but they are not plugged into a local church where they can be loved and love and they can grow in their faith and the like. So you might think of, of it as unbelievers and those who are believers but maybe unchurched. Who would those seven be? God, if you would so move, I would love to see. Now, as you go through that and you seek the Lord and you think about the people who live around you, who you work with, who go to school with you and the like, maybe you can only fill in four. On this little deal on the back, it will encourage you to go to www.blesseveryhome.com. It's an amazing resource, and it will help you identify people who live around you. Say, so you know what, I'd love, I'd love to get to know my neighbors, or I'd love to pray for those neighbors, and you don't even know their name. Blesseveryhome.com can help you identify who those neighbors are, and, and maybe they make up some of the folks that you put on your list to round out your seven. I loved what Mark said. Don't think, boy, I'd love to put so-and-so on there, but there's no way they're going to come to Jesus. I mean, they hate God. They hate Christ. I mean, I've tried to talk to him about Jesus, and it was a shut door. There's no way. Don't think like that, right? As Mark reminded us, the Apostle Paul, if any of us had known Paul, we would have said, there's no way. He hates God. He hates the gospel. He hates Christians. He hates it all. In fact, not only does he hate it, but he is rabidly opposed to it and trying to put an end to it. And yet God can reach into his heart and change him in a moment. Maybe one or two of the folks on your list would be like that. You might say, these are my trophies of grace. That if God would so move, Lord, I don't believe it, and I got, I got questions about whether or not you could do it, right? But I'm going to put his name there, and I'm going to fast as you lead me over these 30 days, and I'm going to pray every day for him. Every day I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to talk to him, talk to you about him. And I'm even going to try to go to lunch with him. Or I'm gonna even, we're even going to try to have his family over for dinner, and we're going to love him, and we're going to serve him. And, and God, let's see what you can do. No promises of what God wants to do. But we do know that he can do it. He can do it. We'd love for these seven to be people who live here in Katy, West Houston, people that you are in relationship with right here. So who will, you, who will your seven be? Awaken West Houston begins on Monday, January 30th. So we've got a few weeks to think about who will my seven be. Time flies. In Mark chapter 2, verse 18, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. This is John the Baptist. He had his followers, and, and they saw that John himself fasted, and so they were fasting. They're following their guy. And the Pharisees were fasting. 
The Pharisees fasted every Monday and every Thursday. So John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came and said to Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Not only are we asking those of you who want to participate to identify seven people, but then we're asking for these 30 days that you would fast as God leads you. Because the reality is, seems to me, we really need God to move. Awaken West Houston is a call for each one of us to radically live for Jesus Christ and reach out to others with the good news of the gospel. And if you're anything like me, you need God to really move in your life. To give you a new set of eyes for the people around you. To give you a, a, a new compassion in your heart for the lostness around you. To give you a courage that maybe you don't have. If you're anything like me, you really need God to move. If you're not only going to identify those seven and pray for those seven and then even begin to reach out to those seven, we really need God to move. The reality is, if it's true about me, it's probably true about my brothers and sisters, or at least some of them in the body of Christ here at Redeemer and across our city. And so not only do we really need God to move for me, but if what's true of me is true of you, then we really need God to move at Redeemer and across the body of Christ here in Katy, West Houston. To give us eyes to see and hearts to love and courage to serve and share the good news of the gospel. We need him to move in significant ways. And nobody that we fast for and pray for and serve and love and help and share the gospel with, nobody on our list of seven are going to come to faith in Jesus unless God moves. Just like you, before you came to faith in Jesus, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. And the Holy Spirit of God worked in your heart and mind to open us to the glory of God, the sinfulness of our souls, and our need for Jesus.
So if I'm going to live on mission with Jesus during these 30 days, if my brothers and sisters here and across the city are going to do that, and if any of the people that I'm praying for and serving and any of the people that are being prayed for and served and loved and the gospel is being shared, if any of them are going to respond to the good news of Jesus, then God must move. If he doesn't, we're done. But what is so awesome is that nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. He can do it in my life. He can do it in your life. And if you will, he can do it in their life. When God wants to move in mighty ways, it seems he leads his people to fasting and prayer. And so we want to fast and pray for those 30 days. Who, who's to fast? The disciples of Jesus are to fast. In Matthew chapter 5, if you're familiar with that passage, Jesus said this little phrase to his followers, when you fast. Just like he said to them, when you pray. He just assumed that his people would pray. And he simply assumed that his people would fast. And we see it here in Mark chapter 2. John's disciples were fasting. The disciples of the Pharisees were fasting. But the disciples of Jesus weren't fasting. And they wondered, well, why is that, Jesus? And he says, while the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast. Fasting is an expression of, of mourning and of longing and of yearning. And yet, all of the expectations and the hopes of the disciples was right there in front of them in the person of Jesus. The one who was anticipated and the one who was longed for was right there in front of them. The bridegroom is with them. Why fast? They were to be happy and joyful because all of their expectations and all of their hopes were standing right in front of them. So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Jesus just seemingly assumed that, that, that right now I'm with them, but there's coming a time when I'm going away, and when I go away, then they will fast. That time is now. The time between that first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And so all of us, as followers of Jesus, are meant to fast. We read in the New Testament in Acts chapter 13 that the leaders of the church there in Antioch, before they sent out Paul and Barnabas and John Mark on that first missionary journey, they were fasting. That's, that's 47 A.D. That's 14 years later, right? Some... Some would argue that, that the New Testament, after the coming of Jesus, we're not meant to fast, and yet there are the leaders in the church 14 years after Christ is gone, and they are fasting. In the very next chapter in Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas are fasting 
as they're seeking to appoint church leaders. It's for you and it's for me. Well, what is it? Simply stated, biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. We look at fasting in the Bible. That's, that's all that it is. It's, it's the abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Dave Clayton, in his little book, Fasting Involves Our Letting Go of Something in the Physical Realm to Take Hold of New Things in the Spiritual Realm. And so while biblical fasting is abstaining from food and drink for a period of time, Others argue that it could go beyond food and drink to letting go of something that in and of itself is good for a period of time to focus our attention on God. I said this last year, I'll say it again to myself as well. If you and I fast from breakfast only to spend time on social media, that's not fasting. If, if, you, if you fast through lunch only to say, you know what, I guess while I'm fasting from lunch, I guess I'll, I'll run over to the gym and work out for 30 minutes. That's not fasting. If you fast through dinner and say, you know what, this is cool. I got time to go clean out my closet. not fasting. Fasting is turning from food so we can turn to God. As one said, it's refusing to feast on food so that we can feast on God. If in your fasting in mind, our face doesn't turn upward towards God, but to other things here, down here, I'm not so sure, it's fasting. I'm calling us throughout these 30 days to fast. And for you to seek God as to what your fast will look like. But to fast through a meal or a series of meals in order to turn toward God. To express your desire for Him and calling on Him to do only what He can. Move in your heart, our hearts, and their hearts. Moses fasted. David fasted. Ezra led the people to fast. Esther led the people to fast. Daniel fasted. Paul fasted after his encounter with Jesus. The leaders of the church in Antioch fasted before sending out the missionaries. Jesus fasted. He implied fasting for his people. He taught us that days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. My people will fast. And it's not about us getting God's attention. The hope of it is that it's about him getting all of our attention.
Ole Hallisby wrote, the purpose of fasting is to loosen to some degree the ties which bind us to the world of material things and our surroundings as a whole in order that we may concentrate all of our spiritual powers upon the unseen and eternal things. Again, the purpose of fasting is to loosen to some degrees the tie, uh, to some degree the ties which bind us to the world of material things. We are bound to the world of material things, aren't we? And in so many ways, appropriately so. The purpose of fasting is to loosen to some degree the ties which bind us to the world of material things and our surroundings as a whole in order that we may concentrate all of our spiritual powers upon the unseen and eternal things. So again, fasting does not get God to turn his face towards us. Right? We're not to think of God's face turned away from us, and, and so we're fasting and we're praying so he'll turn his face to us. His face is already turned to us. He loves us. He is so committed to us. Through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, his love is incomparable, inconquerable for his people. His face is towards us. Fasting is meant to turn our face towards him. Because the reality is our faith is so often not. When are we asking you to pray for out, throughout these 30 days, but simply as God leads you? Because God will lead every one of us to fast in different ways. Dave Clayton talks about four different kinds of fast. A major fast, where you would abstain from food or drink for 24 consecutive hours or more. I know of at least one in our congregation who did a major fast last year. Several days of fasting before the Lord. But again, a major fast, to abstain from food or drink for 24 consecutive hours or more. If if that were the sort of fast you would pursue, maybe that's a fast you would do once a week for those 30 days. A minor fast, you choose to abstain from food for a certain period of time, maybe 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. or sunup or sundown, sunup to sundown. This kind of fasting can last for days at a time, eating only at a set time of the day. In a minor fast, most people will drink liquids during the day and have one small meal after sundown each evening. Clayton talks about a partial fast. You give up only certain foods during the course of your fast. And this one is seen most clearly in Daniel 1, where Daniel abstains from certain foods out of devotion to God for a period of time. During a partial fast, some people choose to give up certain foods they enjoy in an effort to turn their hearts more deeply to God. And then number four, he calls a soul fast. Technically speaking, biblical fasting refers to abstaining 
from food or drink or both for a spiritual purpose. However, some people choose to fast from things other than food. Some will give up television, social media, or other activities for a soul fast to focus on prayer. And then Clayton says, each of these fasts, the major, minor, partial, soul, can be a valuable way of connecting with God more deeply. If you are physically able, though, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider one of the first three fasts. There is something about giving up food that physically and spiritually realigns you in ways nothing else can. Will you fast? Will you join us, Awaken West Houston, January 30th, February 28th, 30 days? Will you seek God and say, Lord, who are seven people in my life who are far from God? And you write them down. And Lord, for these 30 days, I'm going to fast and pray. Will you seek the Lord? Maybe read, read through this book for the first time or again. There's, there's a good article on fasting in the resource manual. Will you seek the Lord and say, Lord, how would you like me to pursue you through fasting during these 30 days? And pray. And reach out and love share the good news of the gospel and invite people to Redeemer Community Church or to another church family where they can get connected. Maybe we'll say more about this next week. Let me pray and uh, we're going to sing. Father in heaven, would you Do in us and through us something great and wonderful throughout the 30 days of Awaken West Houston. Would you help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face? Would you help us to seek you in prayer for the lost? Would you awaken our hearts to the glory of God, to the greatness of Christ, to the wonder of the gospel, to the power of the gospel, to save any and all who will turn to Jesus in repentance and faith? Awaken us, Lord. Awaken your people across this city. And then, Lord, would you awaken the spiritually dead to new life in Christ Jesus. And we'll pray this in his name and for his glory. Amen.